Tonight, if you remember last time we were here, that's about two weeks ago, we talked about God being sovereign. Even in tough times, even when things go bad, He is sovereign and He's in control of all things. And we have to find the will of God. And the only way we can find the will of God is when we're connected to Him. Tonight, we want to talk about one of the fruit of the Spirit that none of us really like to have to bear. Let's, let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Now, and gentleness, yes. One, we are mis- one, one of them that we look at, we say patience. But some versions say it's long-suffering. And we want to look at that tonight because if you're anything like me, patience is probably one of the hardest ones to put up with or to show in my life, or long-suffering. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree that long-suffering is probably one of the hardest ones to have to put up with? Especially when you're going through tough times. So tonight we're going to look at long-suffering. And if you know anything about a believer, if you're a believer tonight, these fruit must be in your life. They must be things, and, and, and you know what was hard for us? When we sit and think of these fruit, we have to ask ourselves, are they in me? And you know, we can't say in our lives, well, I'm going to have some fruit and not these fruit. The fruit of the Spirit are all of these. And what I love about the fruit of the Spirit is the first one, love. Because if you have love, it conquers all. And as we think of long-suffering, it's to be patient, to bear with, to be long-tempered. If I had to ask you tonight some people who had the gift of long-suffering, who would you say in the Bible? Who would be some people you think about? Job. All right, Job is the first one that comes to people's minds. Who? Anybody else? Joseph. We're going to look at two different ones in the Old Testament, two different ones in the New Testament. Joseph being one that we're going to look at tonight. We're not going to look at Job because everybody knows Job. they like, you know, yeah, I know Job. It's another one. Very prominent king of Israel. David. David's one of them. In the New Testament, we have two other individuals, Paul and Jesus. When we think of being patient, this is the hard thing, and this is what tonight we want to look at and ask ourselves, do we have the total package? Let me ask you a question. If you got, if you ordered something from the United States of America, you had it come through a shipping company, and when it comes to you, you have every part except two pieces. How do you feel? You can't use the item if those two pieces aren't there. You'd be mad, right? You'd be upset. You would be furious. You'd be ready to call that company and tell them off. Right? But the problem for me and you is this. When it comes to our lives, when these fruit aren't relevant in our lives, it's like we don't really care. It's not that big of a deal. You see, one thing you have to remember as we think of this, we need a little thing of Colossians 1, 9, 11. And we don't have that, but I want to just read it for you really quick. Colossians 1, 9 to 11. And this is how we need to understand because some of you in this room may say, you know what, Nicholas? I don't know how to put up with these problems. And Colossians 1, 9, 11 said this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge and of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, 
fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with power according to the glorious might, all enduring and patient with joy. What does it tell us? We need to ask God to help us. When we go to problems, we need to ask God, look God, I want you to make this fruit grow in my life because I need it. I need your help. There's no one in this room tonight that can say, I love it when problems come in my life. No one. This is when we need to really get down on our knees and pray, God, help me. Help me with these fruit. Help me with these different fruit to grow in my life, especially when I go through these problems. For anyone here who may know anything about sports, if you think about a baseball player, they say a baseball player has five tools. Anyone know what those five tools are? Let's see, we have a baseball player, and you know what the five tools are? You know the five tools you should have, eh? Nobody knows? You should be able to feel, speed, hit, catch, and throw, right? So those are five things what you call the total pocket. That is the great baseball player. Most of the time they'll tell you if you have four out of five, you're pretty good. Now me, one thing I did not have was speed. I could not run. That wasn't for y'all to laugh at. All right? It's just like any other sports player. Any basketball player, they want that real deal. They want a total pocket. If you can't shoot, you probably ain't going nowhere. All right? It's just like in our Christian life. We need to have the total package. And I'm going to say that a side note, because I did watch, and I, I am a Kingsway graduate, right? But you know why Kingsway lost the QC yesterday in the playoff game? Because no one could shoot on the team. All right? They could not shoot. There's no one, who, there's no one in high school sports who I could see could actually shoot the ball from 15 feet back. All right? There's no one who can shoot a three. I, I, I saw one three-point in the whole game. That's terrible. If it's one thing I know I can do, I can shoot. I can't jump, but I know I can shoot. I don't build houses. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is this. We have the total package, all right? So tonight, we want to look at these different individuals. And I know we have some of the um, games on, the, on there, probably some of the verses, but we're not really going to look at all those verses because if we look at all those verses tonight, we will be a very long time. And you probably don't want to be here that long to look at all these verses, right? Who wants to be in here all night? Thank you, one person. Why don't stop lying? I don't even want to be here all night. You know, why are you lying, you know? I'm the one talking, I don't want to be here all night. All right. When we think of the, when we think of the life of Joseph, what comes to your mind? Prison. Let me ask a question. Did Joseph ever, did Joseph ever do anything wrong to get thrown into prison? In fact, what did he do? Everything right. As we know the story, part of his wife came at him, right? Enticed him, you know, threw herself at him. And let me tell you something. For any of you who know anything about the Bible, they describe part of his wife as a very beautiful woman. So guys, think about this for a second, right? You got this pretty girl who's throwing herself at you. She wants everything to do with you. She ain't want in, she ain't into that fellow over there. She wants you. Just you. She throwing, she throwing every sign out to you. Joseph, after he has already been given, what you remember what the part of us said? I give you all control of everything except what? 
my wife, my woman. You have control of everything except her. But what is he, what is happens? She comes at him. You know? And you know what, you know what's sad about a lot of us in this room? As guys, some of y'all thinking, Joseph, you's a punk boy. The girl was right there for you, but she wanted you. She threw herself at you. You could have had her. But what did Joseph do? He ran. He ran as far as he could from there. As far away. You know, he even left his clothes behind. She yanked his clothes. Gone. My boy running down, streaking down the road, naked. <coughs> right? So he does that. And we see his life. We see all through his life, right? What happened? He gets thrown into prison. He, he tells them um, the dreams. You know, he was the dream. You know, he could, he could tell them what the dream meant. You remember one of them? Well, who was it who told him that I will make sure you get out of prison? I will tell him. Remember? The baker, right? The baker said, don't worry, I'll make sure they don't forget you. The butler was the one, right? The baker's the one who died. See that? Oh, if you, right? The but, um, right. So he told him, look, I am going to remember you. I remember what you told me. What happened? My boy get out. What happened? He didn't forget. He forgot Joseph. He didn't remember him at all. Until later on when a dream, another dream came about. And what happened? I know a guy who can help you. And he called Joseph. Joseph went through all these things, slowed into slavery. All these things that happened. But yet Joseph persevered. In fact, as Joseph himself said, you know what? What God meant for evil, I mean what people may have thought was evil, God meant for good. What I may, if I looked at my circumstances and thought, man, what did I do? That's what Joseph could have thought, but he didn't think that way. He persevered. In fact, when his brothers came there, what, what do you think they were thinking? I mean, what do you think Joseph was thinking in his mind when he saw his brothers coming there asking for help? He probably could have thought to himself, boy, <laughs> y'all ain't serious. Y'all coming to me for help after what y'all did for me? I in the circumstances now because of what y'all did. No. Yeah, he played a trick on him. I don't blame him for playing a little trick, you know. Y'all go home, get your dad, you know, you know, do all these things, put the cup in Benjamin's thing. I'm going to play all the tricks. But what did he end up doing? Forgiving them. He persevered through all that long suffering. Joseph was a prime example of what patience is. Because after going through all that, he knew that God was going to deliver him. He knew that God had a purpose for it. But yet, too many times, we look at our circumstances and we think, God can be in this. The second person we want to look at in the Old Testament is David. And David is a man who, when you think of David, what is the first thing that comes to your mind, David, in life? Huh? Bathsheba, the first thing? Okay. Any other things? What's some? A dead what? A dead lion? I mean... No one, like, thinking of Goliath, like, killing a giant? You know, like, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, you know? I mean, see how, see how, hold on. You see how bad our minds is? Some of y'all just went straight to the, to the field. You know, that's our sweethearting type of talk in the Bahamas. All we think about the sweethearting, you know, we thought of, you know. Well, what did he end up doing? What happened to David? David was at the top. What's the king? Saul, what did Saul do? 
Saul wanted to what? Kill him. David had to wait his chance to be the king. Can you imagine what it'd be like to be anointed a king only to realize that you will not take your position on a throne for quite some time? Could you imagine, David, you are going to be the king, David, but yet you have to wait this period of time. How many of you have ever had your parents promise you something and you have to wait a long period of time for it? And it feels like a very mighty long time, right? You know, you're like... Think about David having to wait so many years. In fact, what if you were to add to the mix the present king trying to kill you? Saul is trying to attack him. You know, here it is, David, you're going to be king. Saul's over here, I want to kill you. I am going to get you. You know? Because of what? Here it is, my best friend's dad wants to kill me. And you know David had every opportunity to what? He could have killed Saul. Don't you remember the story? What did he want? What did he? He was right over what? Do you remember? Anyone remember that story with Saul? What happened with David and Saul? What happened? David was where? He could have killed him right there. Bam. But he didn't. He waited his turn. He was patient. Like I said, patience is very hard for any of us. We want everything done now. Why do you think our universe has the microwave? You know, we put something in the microwave because we want it now. You know, think about years ago. They didn't have a microwave. You know, we want it done now. The world would eventually recognize David as their king, but in due time. And we find that God says something very commendable of David in Acts 13.22, when he describes David as a man after his own heart. But shall fulfill at my will. Long suffering goes a long way in making a person after God's own heart. You see, when we think of long suffering, we think of this fruit. And like I said, we could go through the fruit, and I think that this is the hardest one for us to really sit down and say, I want this to grow in my life. I want to have long suffering in my life. Anyone wake up and say that? No. We may say, God help me with patience, especially you guys who are probably getting ready to graduate now, and you're like, June is like right there, and like I really want to hurry up and get out of school because I'm tired of these teachers. I'm tired of the exams, I'm tired of all that. Let me tell you something, when you get out of school, suffering really is start. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. But that's the truth. In the New Testament, we have Paul. All right, Paul went through a whole lot. Saul into Paul. When we think of Saul who turned into Paul, what comes to your mind? What did, what did all this Saul go through? Paul, what did Paul go through? Give me some things. He was stoned. He was thrown into prison, shipwrecked. Tortured. You know, there's so much stuff that he went through. But yet, he persevered. See, one thing about Paul was this. Paul was a very passionate guy about whatever he did. He was passionate. He was passionate about when he was killing Christians, but when he turned his life over to God, he was even more passionate for the greater cause. 
You see, Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles, and he displayed a long-suffering attitude in everything he did. He had to. Because you know what, you know what exactly, if you look at Paul's missionary journey and the different letters to the church, you know what always happened? He always had to repeat himself. Because they never got it. Sound familiar? It's not like me and you, that God tells us over and over this thing and that thing, but yet we don't do what we're supposed to do. Can you imagine talking to someone and telling them over and over, this is what I want you to do. This is wrong. This is right. But you still keep on doing the wrong thing. Any, any of your parents ever feel like just saying, you feel like pull, they feel like they're pulling their hair out when they're talking to you? How many of y'all have a younger brother or sister? Don't you feel like you sometimes just keep on running on with them, sometimes telling them, standing over and over? Doesn't it get frustrating? Yes. It gets frustrating. But you see, Paul, even though he went through all this, he continued on. He continued on to say, you know what? I am going to do. As in Joseph's case, so is with Paul. The intent was not to focus on the person who saw the dream or the vision, but who gave it. And this is, as we think about Paul, Paul, how many of you remember the thorn of the flesh? Remember the thorn of the flesh where Paul talked about that he had a thorn in his flesh? He was, being, he was suffering. He didn't know what it was. He went through a lot of hard times. And Paul could have easily gave up. He could have said, you know what? I'm tired of this. God, why are you doing this to me? And you know what happens to me and you in our lives when we go through tough times? That's the first thing we ask. God, why? Why? Why am I going through this? Why did that person have to get sick? Why did this person have to die? You see, we have to understand that God, everything happens for a reason. We don't understand it. But we have to understand that we, as believers, have to go through trials. And they make us grow closer to God. And the last person we think of is Jesus. I mean, think about it. What suffering did Jesus go through? Everything. Here's a man who did nothing wrong. The perfect man. Perfect man. Walked the face of this earth. I mean, he did everything. Performed miracles. Crowds followed him because he performed these miracles. All these things. But yet, what happened? They want to crucify him. Does it sound like us today? Does God take us out of challenges every day of our lives and we say to ourselves, God, you know, what's going on? Why am I going through this? You know, I, I do all these things for you. You know, I come to church. I sing on the praise team. I sing in the choir. I'm on the drama team. I do all these things. Whatever happens. I do my quiet time. Why do these things happen? Well, it's because God has a plan. And He's preparing us. Because why should we think if Jesus, the perfect man, came to this earth, why shouldn't we go through long suffering? Why shouldn't we have to practice patience? Like I said, for me, patience is probably the hardest fruit to display. I remember as a little kid, there used to be a song that I, I don't know, can't remember what the movie, what the thing was, but that's when you had a cassette tape. Remember cassette tapes? 
And my mom used to have the cassette tape in the car, and the song used to go sing. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry when you get impatient. Alright. We are to have patience. Let me add a question. How many of you in this room like spoiled fruit? Anyone like spoiled fruit? Anyone want sour fruit? Sour grapes, okay. But do we, most of the time, we don't want sour food, right? We don't want sour fruit. So why do we think, why do we think in our lives, it's okay if our fruit don't grow? Why do, why do we think in our lives that it's okay if my fruit isn't good for Christ, that he isn't pleased? How do we apply this tonight? Well, we have to understand that God wants our fruit to grow. He wants us to understand that as we go through long suffering, this is how we are to live. The manner characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is long suffering. Like the other fruit of the Spirit, do not grow automatically in the believer's life. Instead, like any other fruit, it must cultivate. Just as Jesus displayed these qualities, you can too if you're a believer. Remember, if you have Christ living within you, that is the hope of glory. If Christ is living within us, that makes Christ-likeness possible. Galatians 2.20. Somebody want to read it for us? Or I, that's what's on there. It's on there. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have been crucified with Christ as a believer. All right? I see why we have this Breed Bombers Read campaign going. We're struggling. All right? We need to understand that we are crucified with Christ. It's not us who live no more, it's Christ who lives in me. Those are the fruit that are displayed as the Holy Spirit lives in us. Secondly, Paul got to see what heaven was like in 2 Corinthians 12 too. Let's read it. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in a third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. God knows everything about us. He knows what we're going through, just as Paul did. Thirdly, when the crowds followed them, Jesus was very patient with them and had compassion on them. You see, Jesus himself, think about it. How many of y'all ever had, a, like I said, you have a, Someone who always copying you. They do everything you do. You know that whole copying game when you get feel like just slapping them and you know, you know you feel you're tired of them. Well, Jesus had crowds always around him because they want to see what he was going to do next. And lastly, fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit working in the lives of Christians is fruit that is designed to remain. John fifteen sixteen says, "You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit." that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name be given to you. You see, fruit in us need to grow. And the question for all of us tonight is this. Do you have any fruit in your life? You know what we like to say as some Christians, or, or like, you know, people get defensive? You can't judge me. Only God could judge me. Only God is my judge. But you know the Bible tells me something completely different. The Bible tells me that by your fruit, they will know you. Which means if I see you acting a certain way, that's not Christ-like. I can see that Christ doesn't really live in you. And you see, too many times we like to twist that scripture. 
judge not, ye too will be judged. You know, that's not what it's talking about. Because in us, Christ should be seen. You have Christ living within you, which is the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you are going through trials and tribulations, Christ is there with you. You see, when we understand and we consider yourself crucified with Christ, that is dead to your own self-will, your self-determination. That means that, you know what? I say to God, you know what? I'm crucified with you. Whatever is me, God, I want it dead. I want it to die. I want you to live in me. I want you to live through me. And that's what we want to see. Can you imagine what the church would look like today if we really understood this and we said, you know what? I want to be the total package. That each individual would be what the church is supposed to be. I challenge you tonight, if you don't know Christ, or if you say, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about with fruit. Talk to one of our leaders. Talk to somebody. Because these fruit are supposed to be present in your life as a believer. I'm going to now call on Hypostatic Union. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. They just dissed me. But we are close in prayer. All right. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we pray that you continue to be on in all that we do. And Father, we just pray that you would just allow your spirit to work in and through us. And Father, I pray that as we go into our small groups, pray that you be on in all our conversation. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry.